GM, GM, welcome back to another episode of Web3 Academy, your trusted source for relevant and legitimate Web3 information so you don't fall behind the internet revolution. Don't get caught in the hype cycle. I'm Jay Bird, joined by my co-host Kyle Reedhead, and we believe that Web3 is going to change the world. That's why we're here to guide the world's top talent down the rabbit hole as you participate, contribute, and capitalize on the opportunity. Don't get caught in the hype cycle, but take advantage when it does show up. That's what we're going to do, right, Jay? That's, That's what we're here for. Listen, we got a big show today. A16, actually, as we're even talking, there's a bunch of news just happening on Twitter right now. So we're trying to compile it all in as we record. But A16E just dropped the 2023 State of Crypto Report. Some really good stuff in there to discuss in terms of innovation and in terms of adoption. There's a lot in there. If you've been listening to our podcast, you already understand a lot of it. Anyway, we're going to go through some really cool stuff. The Ethereum Shanghai upgrade is complete and ETH is pumping. This is cool. Let's fucking go. <laughs> Reddit launches their third gen avatars, but not without some issues. We'll cover that. Metaverse Fashion Week attendance drops 92%. Wow. Just like Jay's NFT portfolio. And we got a bunch of other stuff. FCX is coming back. Twitter's allowing you to now exchange crypto. <laughs> Uniswap's on the App Store. So much is going on. This is going to be an amazing episode. And I'm back. I wasn't here last week, so it's good to be back, Jay. <laughs> there was some big teases in that. Uh, FTX is coming back. We'll tell you exactly what's happening with that one later. But let's start with some gratitude. I'm grateful to have you back, Kai. That's for sure. But this week, I'm grateful for NFT NYC. I'm not at NFT NYC, which is happening right now, but I'm grateful for it because it is such a leading event in the space, an event I was at last year and just remembering all the memories of the parties and the people you meet. And there's just something about getting together in person. I'm grateful to be in a lot of Discord communities that are full of NFT NYC talk right now, keeping me up to date. And there's a lot of things, a lot of stories that we're going to talk about this week, particularly related to NFT projects like Moonbirds and what they are doing at NFT NYC, Adidas as well. So yeah, grateful for all the people putting on NFT NYC and shout out to anyone that's there. Love it. I am grateful for two things. One, to take the last week off. Didn't open Slack once. Actually, I did. It's just, it's on my phone and it's just a habit. So when I open up my phone, my thumb just goes right to clicking the Slack button and it just opens. And I was like, ah, what am I doing? And I would just like get out of it. But otherwise, I did not do anything over an entire week and just got to cruise around Nicaragua on the motorbike down the coast, surf, and it was amazing. The second thing is to be surfing again. The day that I got here, I ran to the water. I jumped in with my board. I caught the first wave that was coming at me and someone got a picture of it. And I just have the biggest smile on my face. I'm just cheesing the whole ride. It's so funny. <laughs> and I'm just so grateful to be able to have that feeling and it feels so good. And I'm here for the next month, so I get to do it every single day. I love it. All right, before we jump into the show, just one quick announcement coming at you from the Web3 Academy community. Next week in our Discord, we are doing a meetup next Tuesday, April 18th. We'll be doing a meetup at 12 p.m. Eastern to talk about eyes on chain. What does it mean to be looking on chain? How do you use on-chain metrics? What are the top charts in Web3 that you should care about? with regards to your investments, but also with regards to building a business in the space. We launched an on Eyes on Chain report last month for the first time, just looking at those top five charts. The community really loved it. So we're doing it again this month. 
But this month, we're going to do it all with you. So we've got five charts prepared that we're going to show you. That Eyes on Chain report will come out on the Thursday. But if you want to get ahead of it, you want to be a part of it, ask questions about it, you can do that Tuesday, 12 p.m. EST, April 18th. Let's fucking go. If you're not already subscribed to Web3 Academy Pro, make sure you are because that's how you get into this special Correct. token gated area of the Discord. And that's how you get right. the Eyes on Chain report. All right. You need an NFT to get into this. Web3. That's how we do it. Kyle's pumped up when he comes back from vacay. <laughs> Before we jump into all today's top stories, starting out with A16Z, we just need to take a minute to hear from our sponsor who makes this show possible. The future of social media is here, and that future lives in Web3 on top of Lens Protocol. Web2 social platforms are broken and ripe for disruption. You see, the epicenter of social media is the creators, and yet they are the most neglected. Web2 platforms like Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram are all essentially robbing creators of their worth. Creators are a new type of entrepreneur, forming new types of businesses. Yet with Web2 platforms, creators don't own their content or their profiles, and that's their product and business. Instead, they are tied to the platforms they choose to create on. Well, just like how crypto is freeing us from banks, Web3 is freeing us from these centralized platforms. On Lens Protocol, creators own their content, own their profile, and even their social graph and followers in the form of NFTs. This allows you to move freely from one social application to another with your content, profile, and followers moving along with you. Lens Protocol enables self-sovereignty for your social graph and interoperability across the internet. At Web3 Academy, we believe this is the future of social, and that's why we've partnered with Lens to ensure that the path of social media is heading in the right direction. Visit lens.xyz to learn more today. We are back with the state of crypto 2023. Before we get into it, a big shout out to A160, who definitely listens to the Web3 Academy podcast, Jay, I'm pretty sure. Because if you go through this chart or through this presentation and these slides, basically everything they have in here is everything that we have been talking about for the last three to six months at least. So you're welcome, A160, for all of the content of your State of Crypto 2023 presentation. And we're going to talk about it too because we love it. It's great. Let's move on. Jay, what do you think? We're going to, listen, we're going to skip a lot of it. If you haven't read it, go read it. There's a lot of really good information in there. A lot of things to kind of get you up to speed. But the thing that really stood out the most to us was this idea of a positive feedback loop that drives crypto market cycles. We've talked about this a lot, but I think it's a really important understanding and we're going to go through a bunch of metrics. They actually do a lot of on-chain stuff in this report, which I was really excited about. And so we're going to talk about that. They actually look through on-chain to understand innovation and to understand adoption. And so we're going to cover both of those. But before we do, we'll talk about this idea of the positive feedback loop. And when you wrap your head around this, you start to really understand how crypto and Web3 and really all technology works, but more so in this space because everything is a financial asset. And for those that are listening on the podcast that can't see what's up on the screen here, Picture a, a feedback loop or a circle, right? And there's four components to the circle. It starts with price. As price increase, what does that do? It brings in new interest into the space. People that didn't originally know about crypto or Web3, it, they go, what is this thing? Why is Bitcoin at 60K or why is ETH at whatever, 5K? And it brings a lot of people into the space and they go, what is this? And they start to go down the rabbit hole and learn. And what that does is as new people enter the space, it brings in new ideas right? Someone who, you know, maybe in these different industries that didn't, were not part of the space before, they come in and they think about this space differently. As a result, they come up with new ideas. And as a result of that, they come up with new startups and new projects, right? Now, again, these cycles happen where we get too excited, people put FOMO in and put too much money in, and then all of a sudden the price tanks, right? Because everyone got too crazy. And so the price goes down, 
But the key part of this is that those who stick around and keep building with these startups and these projects, those new ideas, they continue to build. And that's the phase that we're at right now is, hey, prices may be down compared to what they were a year and a half ago, but those entrepreneurs, those people that came in, kept building, kept creating new things. And so that's what's going to drive the price forward next time. And so all of a sudden what happens once all those projects launch, we find out new use cases for the space. All of a sudden people start to come back in because we're using it for airline tickets, for Ticketmaster, for whatever else. And all of a sudden people come in and that drives the price upwards again. We go through this crazy, again, humans over-exaggerate, price goes up. People go, wait, what's this Ethereum thing? Now it's at 10K and they come in, same thing. And we go through this loop. And so that's kind of the way that crypto and Web3 work. All tech kind of works this way. It just happens way more exaggerated in this space because everyone can invest in this technology. Whereas like AI, for example, we're in a hype cycle right now, but you can't really invest in it. Microsoft and Google, sure. But nothing like what we can do here, a global way for everyone to invest in just so easy. So it really exaggerates these cycles here. Yeah, I think a few numbers that stood out to me about this cycle that we're in is that while we are in these cycles, there is so much growth happening. So if you look at the number of developers in the space, last month, 30,000 monthly active developers in crypto industry, that's a 60% increase over the start of the bull run back in 2020. So the developers are here and they're sticking around. I think that's the big yeah. thing. We actually were up to more like 50,000 developers when we were at the peak of the bull run, actually 40,000, 40,000 developers. So we've come back down to about 30,000 but we're still up above where we were when the bull run started. Yeah, so if you look what Jay's, for those that are watching on YouTube, you can see the, the growth here. And you see every time price goes up, the interest goes up, which means the developer activity starts to increase. And that's exactly what Jay was just describing. And yes, it comes back down. It typically does. It did last cycle as well, but we're still way, way, way higher. If anything, we're about 75% higher, 50% higher, I guess, than we were in last year's bear market. So. We'll see if this like holds up here, if this is where we are, but a 50% increase over a couple of years is a pretty big deal. But that's what we love to see. We'd love to see them stick around, right? Like that's the big thing is during a bear market, a lot of people leave the space, but the developers are staying because they believe in the long-term potential, which is something that we hear all the time on the show, all the doer spotlights that we have. We're talking to people who are stoked to be building right now. And so what we're looking at here is this is the innovation growth, essentially, is what we're looking at. So state of crypto, A16C, what they do is they actually have created this in the index where you can look at both the innovation growth and then the adoption, like the user base, et cetera. And so right now we're going to go through the innovation. That's when you talk about developers, smart contracts being deployed, et cetera. And so we're going to look at those numbers. The next chart that Jay has up on here is that more than 50,000 developers interact with crypto-related GitHub repositories monthly. So this isn't necessarily developers working like full-time in crypto, like we were looking at before, but this is those that are at least involved in doing something with it. And this chart is actually looking even better because, yeah, it went up double since the low of the bear market in back in 2019, early 2020, and now we're sitting at about 60K, and it's basically stayed there. It hasn't really gone down much, which is great to see. And I think this comes from Many of the brands that are not full-time crypto, but like something like Starbucks or something like Reddit, where they are not a crypto company, but they're now using it. And that's what these developers are interacting with. And so we're seeing that stay stagnant since the very peak, which is really, really good. That tells us some really good foundational growth here happening with the innovation side of Web3. 
And then we get into NFT activity and better tooling have driven exponential growth in contract deployers. So basically, this is those launching new NFTs and different smart contracts. This went absolutely parabolic in the last mm -hmm. bull market that we had. We went from, I don't know, you can't even see what the chart is, is so low, but back in 2020, we were sitting at maybe like, I don't know, a thousand or 2000 mm -hmm. a month. We reached a peak in the middle of 2022 at almost a hundred thousand It's about probably about 90,000 in one month, which is crazy. That was just one month of just mayhem. I don't know what happened then. I think a lot of that was Solana actually, because they had a crazy month, but really it's all kind of just worked around the 50,000 smart contracts deploying per month. And we've stayed right about there. We're down a little bit the last two months, but nothing to be concerned of. It looked pretty strong and just continued growth. But really, when you come down to verified smart contracts, they're at all time highs, which means that mm -hmm. products, businesses, things are launching and they're launching at it. This is just the craziest thing. So if you look at this chart, for those that are on the podcast that are listening, you see that at about 20 in 2020, it was just stagnant, you know, really, really low at, I don't know, about 3K or so. And then just ever since 2021 happened, it's just been up and to the right and has not stopped even today. So throughout the entire bear market, this continued to go up and up and up. And this is the first cycle we've ever seen this. So if you look, you can see on this chart, after the everything dropped in 2018, it just goes straight down and then just like stayed stagnant for two years, basically. And what we're seeing right now through all of 2022 and 2023, up and up and up, all time highs every single month. This is the most bullish chart, I think, in Web3. <laughs> it tells you that people are building, they're launching things, and all the use cases we keep talking about in the podcast, I mean, they're happening. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it tells you that the, the supply side of the market is super strong. There is a lot of products in the pipeline that are being built. We're just not in a demand cycle right now. So while the demand is low, it doesn't mean that there isn't a lot of exciting, cool things being built that when the demand comes back, holy geez, things are going to go bonkers. Absolutely. And the next two charts really just look at the research slash the like resources that have been prepared or being made, which help developers to create applications and to create tools more easily, more quickly, more efficiently. Mm -hmm. And those are just skyrocketing. The research has stayed stagnant since 2019 or since 2020. But people are just continuing to research and learn and grow. And that's when new technologies come out like ZK rollups, like the Ethereum upgrade that we just had, which we'll talk about in a second. All these come from research and you can see that that's all just continuing to grow. The last chart, the innovation side is jobs, which is job interest in terms of crypto and Web3. That went through the roof back in 2021 and early 2022. That has since come down, but staying extremely high compared to last bear market which makes complete sense. There's way more businesses, which would mean that there's going to be more jobs in this space. There's a lot more interest. So there means people want, want to actually work in this space. And it looks like that's hit a, a sort of like it's bottomed out. We'll see what happens over the coming months here. But my assumption is we are heading into another bull market. Now, I don't think we skyrocket up like 2021 this year, but I think we start to see things trend upwards in the coming months. So this is all, all good things for the innovation side of Web3. Yeah, one thing that I wanted to point out here from this report, I don't have it up on screen, but there was a great focus on the power and importance of composability because this is a key feature of an open source decentralized platform that crypto and blockchain are building. And we talk about composability a lot, but Chris Dixon really put it into good terms when he said, 
composability is to software as compounding interest is to finance mm, an right. exponential force. Absolutely. And the more, again, it's all about these use cases we need. And so as we keep tacking on, we build on top of these Legos, it just happens more and more fast and we go exponential. Mm -hmm. All right, let's go to the exciting stuff, which is the adoption side. And this is really, really cool. And unlike any other bear market that we've had, the first chart here shows that active addresses are growing steadily as Web3 adoption increases. We actually just reached an all-time high in active addresses this last month. That is absolutely amazing. It has never happened in a bear market before. An all-time high in the depths of a bear market is pretty crazy, but that's what just happened. And that just shows that Web3.1 is here to stay, but we're building things that people actually want to use. So that's really, really cool to see and super, super exciting. It's wild though, how small it still is. So we hit an all-time high last month with 15 million active addresses in the month. Only 15 million though. We're so, so early. The opportunity is so enormous that the whole world is talking about this. Everyone's aware of it, but only 15 million people are actively involved on a monthly basis. What is that as a percent of the world? <laughs> or even as a percent of like internet users? I think there's 5 billion, 5 billion. internet users. And we're at 15 million. I can't do that math. Any chat you can see. No, it's, but it's, it's like it's a zero zero zero. Yeah, yeah, like that's a micro percent. Yeah. So you are early, my friends. You are very early. This is really cool. So this is looking at transactions. The next chart here is a graph of transactions which has absolutely exploded since 2021. Of course, we knew that. But what's really cool is this, plus the chart below it, is we see that transactions have actually not gone down throughout the bear market. They just continued to stay pretty steady slash almost grow, with at the same time, the fees to transact have actually gone down significantly. So if anyone was here back in 2021, that was the first time we saw transactions reach the limits that they did. And gas fees on Ethereum specifically, but even on things like Binance Smart Chain, extremely expensive. Now with the layer twos, with Solana, with Avalanche, we have continued growth in terms of transactions on blockchains, yet the fees are significantly lower. Now, when this bull market comes back, I do think that Ethereum fees will go back up. But the thing is you have Arbitrum, you have Optimism, you have ZK Rollups, you have Immutable, where all the things that most users will use will be there anyway. And those fees will remain very, very low. And those actually go cheaper as more users come in. So the whole dynamics of fees have completely switched since the previous cycle. So whatever drives the cycle this time around, we don't know what use case it is. Last year, it was DeFi in 2020. It was NFTs in 2021. What we'll do that this year or this coming cycle, we're not sure. What we do know, though, is that we have the technology now to enable all those transactions to happen while keeping it very low, low, low fees. So that's super, super exciting. This mm -hmm. next one is a very interesting one, Jay. The number of mobile wallet users has declined significantly since 2022. So in 2020, we started to see it go up. By 2022, it went just parabolic, up to 25 million users using mobile wallets. That's gone all the way down to about 8 million and still dropping. Thanks, Thanks Apple. Yeah, yeah, right? That's exactly it. I was going to ask your opinion of why, and I think that's exactly it. It's probably because we just can't watch things in the App Store currently. So we're just not there yet, which again, when that happens, that's when the adoption of this space just goes crazy. The good news is just before we started recording here, and we'll talk about this down in the quick hit section at the end of this show, Apple has just approved Uniswap to go live in the app store. So we are getting a great experience, a great mobile wallet that is now happening. So that's really cool. But I mean, if you think about it over the last couple of years, has there been really any mobile apps 
have like taken off or done anything cool in this space? Like, I can't think of any. There's MetaMask, but that's been around for a while. And honestly, they haven't done much with that. I still use the browser extension. The only way I can think of is like Stepin, right? The like walks to earn or whatever Mm. it was on Solana. That was mobile friendly. Other than that, like there isn't much that you do in crypto that's mobile. That's for sure. Like OpenSea has an app, but it's trash. You can't do anything with trash. Same with Blur. It's trash. It's not trash. Sorry, guys. I don't mean trash, but like you can't do the main thing you want to do, which is buy, sell. (laughs) Right. So like, I don't know when this number changes. Everything else I think changes as prices go back up and it's we're already starting to see that. But mobile wallet use, I don't know. I mean, this one is just directly controlled by Apple because Apple controls most of our mobile hardware. And as a result, controls most of our apps on our mobile hardware and they want 30% take rate which we didn't talk about take rate, but there's a great slide that talks about web two take rates versus web three take rates. And so we'll have to see how that battle plays out because I don't think it's going to change anytime soon, which is a good point. Mobile will probably lag behind the rest of the innovation in the space. The next chart here is really actually exciting. It's decentralized exchanges are trading over $100 billion monthly amid market volatility. So what's interesting on this chart is the chart doesn't even really start until 2020, right? Uniswap only launched, I think it was maybe 2019, but it really took off in 2020 with DeFi summer. And you can see it just go up like crazy. At one point, it was almost $250 billion exchanged in one month. And now we're sitting around, I mean, it went down as low as 50 billion, but we're back to almost 150 billion. What's interesting here is like, that's how new this is. We take Uniswap and SushiSwap for granted of like, wow, I can exchange any token and I can do it like in one second. I don't. I can do it 24 seven. I don't have to ask anyone for permission. I can't do that with my Quest Trade account or my like my stock account, you know? And so like we take that for granted, but it's such a massive innovation. And then I think the big thing here is with FTX collapsing and all the problems we've seen with regulation, the ability to exchange in self-custody becomes so, so, so important. And that's actually why I think we saw this massive spike over the last month, also because prices of crypto have gone up quite significantly. But what's interesting is anyone who was here in the last couple of years, we understand the importance of self-custody and exchanging on something like Uniswap rather than something like Binance or Coinbase or FTX, right? The problem is, is that next time prices go up, next time we come in the cycle, we're going to bring in millions of new people. They don't have learned that lesson yet. They didn't lose any money from Celsius, <laughs> from Voyager, from FTX. And so the problem here is they're all going to have to lose money. That's just how it works. Or be friends with someone who does and so that they learn the lesson of self-custody. Unfortunately, that's how this stuff works, right? Like, this is it. Like, when you go to teach people about crypto, they're like, whatever, I don't care. I'm happy with my fiat money. And until you live in a place like Venezuela or Zimbabwe where your money gets inflated away or your banks collapse, you don't Mm -hmm. get why we need to self-custody digital money. Just don't get it. Or you had your banking at Signature Bank or Silver Mm -hmm. or whatever it was that just collapsed. Like, you don't get, and either way, those were bailed out. So like, you really don't get it until you truly lose money, which countries all over the world, that's happening. And those who have been in crypto, unfortunately, that happened to them last cycle. It will happen again this cycle. I'll tell you right now, we will go through another mania where people will lose their minds and they'll over leverage and centralized companies will fucking blow up like they always do. It will happen. And so this just shows like we need to be promoting and helping people understand self-custody. And we need to use decentralized exchanges, not centralized ones, because you're going to lose money. That's just how this world works. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Self-custody your assets, please. NFTs, take it away. This is your video. Yeah, yeah. NFTs. So NFT buyers rising. We have a chart here of NFT buyers 
shows that basically 2021 was when people really started buying NFTs. You know, it's not even really on the chart at the beginning of 2021, probably less than like 10,000. And then it grew, just went hyperbolic through to 2022, reaching all-time highs of almost probably 1.3 million NFT buyers. And then it dropped down as a result of the bear market. I know it's still super small. And this is per month. But now we're back up. The past two months, we've done 1 million and probably 0.800,000 unique addresses buying NFTs. So it's still super small. But this is where the demand and the supply side work together. We're seeing more people release NFTs, not just as speculative assets, but as utility and as real use cases in their business. And so as a result, we're seeing more people buy NFTs. And what's cool about this chart is like the NFT space is still in the depths of the bear market. Like ETH and Bitcoin are almost have doubled since, you know, the last couple of months. NFTs have not. They have continued Mm -hmm. to go down. They've gone down. Yeah, they've just gone down. Yet we're seeing the use of NFTs go up. That is really, really healthy for this market. You don't see that usually. Like usually crypto doesn't go up until we see prices going up, right? Then all of a sudden people come back in, you see more volume, et cetera. And this is, again, with NFTs though, we're seeing this go up because there's actually use cases. Things like Reddit, things like what mm-hmm. Starbucks is doing, things like what Immutable Nike. is doing with all their games yeah. and Nike. These are not necessarily people speculating on NFTs. It's just they're actually using them. I mean, for example... If you want to come to our Eyes on Chain discussion next Tuesday, you need an NFT to do that. It's free. Mm -hmm. Well, you have to pay for pro, but like to get the NFT, that's just a free claim. And so again, these are not speculative things. It's actually, you can't even sell this NFT for our pro pass, but it's just a means of allowing us to have interoperable capabilities across the internet. And so it's just Mm -hmm. our business needed to use an NFT for us to give a good experience for our customers. And that's what a lot of businesses are starting to realize. And that's why we're seeing adoption, even though prices are not going up. That is extremely, extremely bullish for Web3. Stablecoins. I've talked about these a lot. This is going to be the last one we'll talk about here. But stablecoins continue to go up, although the last month might have been a little bit scary here with USDC and their issues. And the Binance USD token is also having some issues. But what's crazy is people are not leaving stablecoins. They're actually just moving to Tether, which is wild because Tether is one of those ones that Everyone has always fudded and been like this thing, you know, we don't know what's backed. We don't know what they actually have to back the assets. Mm-hmm. Yet everyone's fleeing USDC and BUSD to go to Tether. So the stablecoin market is continuing to rise, even with all the FUD we've had. Look, this is one of the most important inventions in crypto right mm-hmm. now and in Web3. Again, if you're in the US, you probably don't get it. You don't need it because you use USD all the time. It's easy for you to access US dollars. For the rest of the world, not so much. If you live in South America and Asia in Russia, this is a big problem. And uh, USD stablecoins, they solve that. And so this mm-hmm. is a big deal. And uh, I think this will just continue to grow and be a massive, massive innovation for the space. So yeah, just to give everyone an idea of the power of stablecoins, 30% of our team is paid in stablecoins. People who live in, two of them are from Russia. They don't live in Russia anymore, but because they're from Russia, their banking is not able to interact with the rest of the world's banking system anymore. So we can only send the money through crypto. And thankfully, stable coins exist. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to work for us right now. And then a few more live in Argentina and one in Europe. So they're all around the world. And 
I'll tell you, it's easier to send them money than it is the rest of our team using Fiat Rails. Well, so, it's yeah, like illegal to send US dollars to people in Argentina. That's how crazy their government is. Yeah. So yeah, like nuts. the only way we can do it is through crypto and it saves them so much on fees. So you can see it going from, it looks like the volumes of stable coins back in 2019 are, can't even see because it's so small, but probably around like, I don't know, one a million. Yeah, it's in the millions for sure. Now we're up over 750 billion. <laughs> it's just insane amount. So that's super cool. The last thing I just want to touch on, if you want to just scroll down, this is a really cool thing that A16Z has done, which is they've created the state of crypto index. And so you can see a chart. If you go down, I think two slides, Jay, they have a chart where it shows the innovation indicators and they combine them all together. So you can see like everything we just discussed on the innovation side, you can see its overall growth by combining it. Are we going up or are we going down? Then you can also see the adoption growth indicator. So again, everything we just discussed on the adoption side, you can see its growth going up or down. And then they combine them to create an index where you can see on the innovation side and the adoption side, are we looking bullish or are we looking bearish? Are we going up, which mm -hmm. is trending upwards very well right now. So that's really, really cool. If you go to the report, they have a link to see this and you can actually just watch it live because it's, again, it's all on-chain stuff, which is just so cool that you can do that. So again, thanks A16C for creating these reports. It's just laid out in a really simple format that anyone can understand what's going on in this space. And they just dispel a lot of myths and they show a lot of good numbers to show growth and adoption and to show use cases. It's a great report. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that one. And uh, let's get into some actual news going on in the space, Jake. Ethereum Shanghai. We've been talking about this for a little while now. We had a newsletter that went out yesterday, just kind of explaining what's happening here. We've got some pro reports so you can understand how the markets are going to take this and how you should be investing or what you should be doing with this new upgrade. But the Ethereum Shanghai upgrade went live yesterday and it went live with no issues. And so now people can, validators can withdraw their ETH. Now it is, there's a queue to do it for the next like couple of weeks or so. And then eventually it'll just be flowing and anyone can do it anytime. But we had to queue it up. Most of those that are exiting their validators right now are actually just cracking. So I think they're about 75%, which is because of the regulatory issue that they've had. Mm -hmm. So they actually just have to get rid of that, supposedly. So we'll see what they do. If they sell or not, we're not quite sure, but they've had to exit their positions. Many of the others are exiting just to move. They're not actually like, so a lot of them are just exiting their rewards. They're not actually exiting their 32E. So they're still running their validators. And then many are exiting so that they can move to something like Rocket Pool or another way of staking their ETH. So that's really cool. We have a chart up here that just shows the amount of withdrawals versus the amount of deposits. And we're actually seeing a lot of people beginning to deposit. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that trend will continue. It was one day or one, I don't even know if this is in hours or what this is, but we had a lot of people that were actually now depositing, still more that are withdrawing at the moment. But I think in the coming weeks, we'll be seeing a lot of people beginning to deposit and this just grows and grows and grows over time. But, you know, this was the final piece for the merge that we've needed. So the final piece for the development of this entire thing to move Ethereum from proof of work to proof of stake. So congrats to the devs for finalizing this. It's here. They've basically done this and we can move on from the merge now. So next up is all about the surge, which is scalability. And so we'll see some upgrades happening over the coming year, all about lowering fees on layer twos. Layer twos are already a couple like pennies to transact on a layer two right now. But with the new upgrades that are coming up, I think it's EIP 448 something, whatever, it doesn't really matter. But either way, <laughs> when that comes, which is happening in the next six months to a year, let's say it'll decrease the fees on layer twos by 10 X. So we're talking like probably half of a penny to transact on a layer two using the security of Ethereum. That is just going to be absolutely amazing. So. 
doers be doing. The devs just keep shipping. So kudos to the Ethereum community. You guys are killing it and congrats. It's just incredible to consider what it would have been like if the internet was built on a decentralized platform like Ethereum in the beginning. And we had had this level of composability and upgrades happening while businesses were also building on the internet. Like this is why Web3 is going to happen so fast over the next decade. Because not only are the use cases and the businesses building things, in the back end, the Ethereum Foundation is making the tech more scalable, more affordable, able to reach more people. Like they're doing things and they're doing it at a tremendous speed. And to be clear, it's not the Ethereum Foundation. They are a small part of this. What's really cool about this though, if you're not staking, you should be staking on Ethereum. I was in Popoyo here in Nicaragua a year ago with a buddy of mine who is a developer. He's interested in crypto, but not like he's not following it every day or anything, but he bought a bunch of ETH last year when I was here. So at around, and what's funny is I was just looking at what prices were last time that I was here, 2000, we're at 2000 today. So basically the exact same when he bought it. But what was funny is he came to me and goes, so remember when you got me to stake all my ETH last year and he could, he did it in Coinbase and Coinbase shows like how much you've made and how much you've earned. He goes, I've made $2,500 over the last year just by staking. And which is great because no one else who was buying and just holding on, you didn't make anything. He's exactly 2000 last year, 2000 this year. Yet he happened to make 2,500 bucks doing that. So amazing. That's pretty cool. And he's helping to secure the network as we do it. So you should be staking. All right, next up, Sound XYZ is making moves. We talked a lot about Sound XYZ on the podcast before. You can go back to a previous podcast with Austin Hurwitz where we break down the music industry and the impact that Web3 is having. And Sound XYZ is really a leader in the space. So they're a platform that allows artists to launch their music as NFTs. Now, up until now, they've been a closed platform. So the only way to use their platform was you had to basically apply, you had to know somebody at Sound XYZ, then you had to be onboarded by them. And so they did this with 420 artists where they met with them individually, they taught them about the platform, they taught them about music, NFTs, how it works, and then allowed them to launch a some sort of collection was on 420 Sound by design. Do you think? Did they do four? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. I wasn't gonna say it, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this space is the you, best. Everybody knows 420 is a significant number in this space. Not necessarily because everyone's stoners. I don't think. I think just because everyone loves culture, right? Yeah. Same as 69 is also a really popular number in the space. So, are you saying everyone what in the space not having sex? I don't know. I have no way to tie nerds to sex. I don't know. You make your own judgments on that one. So San XYZ is now opening up to the public. So they are going to allow any artist to come on and launch an NFT collection. This is huge news for the music industry. If you are a musician, you should definitely be checking out Sound XYZ. I'm not going to go into what this means for musicians. What I want to talk about is how Sound XYZ had a plan to develop a business the right way in a business in a new tech. Very difficult when you know, you're Sound XYZ, you go to an artist right now and you say, hey, you can launch music NFTs. They're like, I don't even know what an NFT is. What are you talking about? Why? Like, how do I do that? What does that mean? How do I use it? Right? So what they needed to do was they needed to have a plan that allowed them to do this step by step. And 
here's what they did as part of this plan. This is sort of the five steps of their plan. Number one was they figured out a smooth onboarding process. So important. Your users need to understand how to onboard. Number two, they built features for a mass audience. Number three, they battle tested the platform. Number four, they did things that don't scale. Number five, they verified audio ownership. And then number six, they basically said, thank you for being patient because it's taken them a lot of time. Kai, you want to jump in and uh, touch on any of these steps yeah. in their plan? I think, look, they built a solid community around sound and around music NFTs. And they use that community to really understand their product, to understand the way that the musicians are thinking, to understand the way that the collectors are thinking. And from that, they can build features and like you said, build a better onboarding process. They can just make sure that this product, which again is new and has never been done before, they can build it the way that, that these musicians, these artists and these collectors all needed it, right? They didn't know exactly how Music NFTs was going to play out when they launched Sound. They just knew that this could be a really cool thing that could offer more to the music industry. And so they needed, they couldn't just open this up to everybody right at the bat because just no one would know what to do. They wouldn't really know what to build. It's not like launching like an email platform, which has been around for decades. You can just open that up and go run ads and launch this thing, go crazy. Sound was like, hey, this is a whole new, you know, substrate in Web3. This is a whole new business model. We need to do this slowly. We need to build community. We need to understand our user base and build things for them. They've done that over the coming years. They've seen some great success. Now they're at a point where they get it. Musicians get it. They have testimonials. The other musicians are talking to other musicians. So like this can just happen naturally now. Whereas I don't think if they would have opened publicly and just like went full on, this would have worked. So for those building Web3, if you're creating something that's net new, that's never existed in the world before, this is the roadmap to do it, right? Do it slow. Do the things that don't scale first. Focus on your community and understanding them. Build the features, the onboarding process, all the things. Battle test it. Then you can launch it once you've proven concept. That's really, really important in Web3. Good for Sound for doing exactly that and sticking to that plan. I think they're going to see some amazing, amazing results over the coming years from this. Yeah, super excited. Speaking of doing it well and having a great playbook, Reddit launches Gen 3 Avatar Collection, though there was some issues with this one. So we've talked a lot about Reddit. They have sold, I think they've had about 11 million avatars minted with their launch over the last, I think it was since June of last year. So in less than a year, which is pretty incredible. They've had about 8 million Redditors that have actually like been a part of this. So pretty cool. And they decided to launch their like Gen 3, which is sort of like a new, I think there's like new avatars. And they had a hundred artists that came in this. There's a bunch of different collections and they tried things a little bit differently. And unfortunately, what happened here is they actually got botted. So a bunch of scammers came in and tried to bot the system. The way that they sold these was not through crypto. They sold it through credit card and they had like a third party payment processing platform. But what happened was, a bunch of these botters came in, got some of the entities early on. Reddit noticed this, paused the mint, and which unfortunately allowed the botters to go because there's low supply, go and sell it on secondary, make a bunch of money during that time, which is super annoying. But then they turned it back on. But what happened here was because the way that this was sold was through credit card and the third party platform, they actually sold more NFTs than actually existed. So then they had to go back and refund some of these people's. Now, good thing is it was all done credit card so they can easily refund. But there was people who bought thinking they would have this NFT. Now they don't get it. So it wasn't a very smooth launch. There were some people on Reddit that weren't so happy about this, some of the users. So kind of a fail. I want to say a fail, just 
shitty circumstances with shitty people trying to take advantage of this. It's super, super annoying, but you just, you have to deal with it when it's financial, but kind of sucks because Reddit has been the darling here. They've done everything right. Not that they did anything wrong here. It's just the nature of launching financial assets. So I think this is a failure that needed to happen too, because there's a lot of companies that are going to use fiat on ramps for payment processing. And now that this has happened, it's going to make everyone realize, okay, if you're going to use credit card for your payment processing, you need tech to support that in the back end so that you make sure that you're not overselling a collection. Like your payment processor has to be connected to your smart contract in some way to verify that each payment is actually getting an NFT. There must have been some tech gap, I'm guessing, on their end that didn't allow that to happen. And this is all, it's not a surprise. Look, this tech is so new, right? So I'm not surprised this happened and I actually don't think it's a bad thing. These are the mistakes that need to happen now or we'll try a new way and this is exactly what we need. So failures is not a bad thing. They've had so much success. So little blip, yeah, it might sting a few of the Redditors, but that's fine. I think they'll continue to push forward and we'll figure it out. So all good. Metaverse Fashion Week, Jay, what the heck's going on here? Yeah, Metaverse Fashion Week, unfortunately, had a massive plummet in attendance, similar to my NFT bags, as Kyle likes to say. Last year, 108,000 people attended Metaverse Fashion Week. This year, only 9,000 people attended. Now, a big part of this is the markets, obviously. There's a lot less interest in the Metaverse than there was a year ago. There's a lot of big teams that are pulling their metaverse budgets. We saw Meta scrap their entire metaverse team of 50 people recently. So there's movement happening that would lead less people to want to attend this. But I'm not going to focus on the fact that there was less people attending. It still happened. It still got huge potential in the future. I really believe in the metaverse fashion week, mainly because Fashion Week's a really cool experience. And if you're not rich and can't get to New York or Paris where these things happen, then you don't get to attend these things. But with the metaverse, you're going to attend them anywhere in the world. So I think these numbers will climb again. But the main thing I want to focus on is one brand who did do it right and actually was highlighted as a great experience. And that's Ben Bridge, which is a small jewelry brand. I had never heard of it before. You might not have heard of it either, but they got a lot of attention and they did well because they created a really cool experience for their users when they came through Decentraland during Metaverse Fashion Week. And what they did was very simple. They had gamified quests that you could enter their store, you could play these gamified quests, and as a result, you would be you would win or you would get giveaways of digital wearables. And this is something that I don't think people realize enough yet is if you're a business and you want to give away something to your customers, right now, this takes place in loyalty, this takes place in contests and campaigns, major businesses doing all the time. The only way to give something away is you have to give away physical product. And that's expensive and that's difficult. But with Web3, you can now give away digital products. Digital products are much cheaper. This is the entire Starbucks loyalty plan, is to use digital products as a way to incentivize loyalty, to get people excited, and as a result, 
to get them to come back into the store and to participate more in your brand. So shout out to Ben Bridge, that jewelry company, for having these digital wearables that they gave away as a result of these small quests, a real simple use case that any business could do if you want to engage your customers. Yeah, I think to add to the beginning part of that with the 92% drop in attendees, when we talk about hype cycles, Jay mentions at the beginning of every podcast now, not getting caught in them. You look at, we had crypto, which had a hype cycle in 2020, 2021. You had NFTs, hype cycle, metaverse, super hype cycle. But the key thing you got to be thinking about is do any of them still have like merit there when the hype is gone? And crypto did, right? Prices didn't go down as much as they did previously in previous cycles. It went down like 70 something percent rather than 90 like it used to go down, right? That's because people can still use Bitcoin and ETH to send money, global payments for stable coins, all these kind of things. So like there is use cases there. NFTs are already starting to make a comeback because there is use case there. Metaverse got a bunch of hype at the end of this cycle, right? When Meta changed its name and there was all this hype, but like, look, the Metaverse is not there yet. It is not that cool. People don't really want to use it yet. There isn't real merit there yet. There will be. Just like in 2017, there wasn't much you could do with crypto. And everyone was like, well, there will be, but it still went down after the hype went away. That's what's happening with Metaverse. People are like, eh, don't really care so much yet, but they will. And it will be a really big deal, whether it's in the next cycle, I'm not sure. But this is the idea of understanding hype cycles. All right. Let's announce the Web3 person of the month. We had a hot, hot vote this week. No, let's do our ad first. We need to give a shout out to Epic Web3. So let's take a quick second and hear from our sponsor who makes this show possible before we go on to the NFT of the month, person of the month, whatever it is. What if I told you that industry pioneers from flagship Web3 brands such as Consensus, Polygon, Binance, Unstoppable Domains, Ledger, and Uniswap will all meet up in one place this summer. You don't want to miss this. I'm talking about the Epic Web3 Conference taking place in beautiful Lisbon on the 9th of June with over 20 curated talks, speed consultations with Web3 experts, networking sessions with investors, and even the opportunity to raise funds. This conference has it all and you'll get the tools you need to succeed in this industry. Plus, we at Web3 Academy will attend and host a community meetup with you and the other smart community before the main event. So come along, meet us, network, and start building alongside leading Web3 innovators. We can't wait to meet you. Remember, Lisbon, Portugal, 9th of June. We've got a 15% discount for you, but ticket prices go up every few days. So get your tickets today by using the link in the show notes. Enter the promo code WEB3ACADEMY15 to secure your spot. Or if you become a pro member, you can get an even bigger discount. So go pro today. And we'll see you in Lisbon, Portugal, the 9th of June at the Epic Web3 Conference. You know, a couple quick announcements on that first. By the way, I just got my flights booked. Can't wait to go to Portugal. I'm actually going to be emceeing the conference. So I will be there and I will be ahead of a lot of the conversations going on. So please come and check it out. And I would love to meet all of you. But also now, in case you can't get to Lisbon, just like we were just talking about with the Metaverse Fashion Week, you can go online and you can buy a ticket and you can watch and get all this information online and get part of the experience. The tickets are much cheaper. So again, just head to the link in the show notes and you'll see the ability to be able to purchase online tickets as well. So you could join us from wherever, Toronto, Nicaragua, Whistler, wherever you are. But really everyone wants to meet Kyle in person. So yeah, come should, out. Be, should be there, meet this guy party. in person. And Jay's not going to be there. Daddy's not there. So it's going to be a rage. No, just uh-oh. Uh-oh, watch out. <laughs> 
All right, let's jump to the Web3 person of the month. We had a great vote this week. We had Amanda Cassatt, CEO and head of Serotonin, a Web3 marketing agency, who just released her Web3 marketing book. Make sure you check that out. She came on the show back a few months ago. We had Juan Cito, we had Ben Turtle, and we had Jesse Polak. And the winner with 60 plus percent of the vote was Ben Turtle. Shout out to Ben. Ben is the founder and CEO of Chasm, which is a Web3 CRM. It's an app that we are using in order to drop the Web3 Pro NFT to all of our Web3 Pro subscribers. I think this is really the first subscription-based NFT. Super proud of the Chasm team, of our team. Unlock Protocol is also part of this. It's sort of a three-way collab to create this subscription NFT. So yeah, Ben deserves a lot of credit. He's a real leader in the space. He's also just an absolute rock star of a resume. He formerly worked for a AI-powered children reading app. He worked for Google. So yeah, real smart guy, really leading the space. Kai, I know you've met him before. Seems like a beauty. I've never met him. Ben's a great guy. We've been in touch for a while. And we actually got in with Chasm because they also allow you to understand your user base. So if they have a certain NFT in their wallet, you can see what other NFTs they're holding. You can start to understand your audience more. Really, really, really important if you are launching a business in this space, NFT collection, you have a token, whatever, you can learn so much about your audience. But what I love about them, small team, really hustling, startup nature, and we needed to figure out how we could get our NFTs into the hands of our customers. And they actually built a feature combined with Unlock to do this. They just built it from scratch out of nowhere. It links into the API of Stripe. So we know when people are paying for our newsletter and when they cancel and it can expire the NFTs. Really, really cool setup here, kind of like a web 2.5 model, but it gives us all the functionality we need. And so if you are have a subscription of some sort, I would highly recommend reaching out to Ben and using this as well. Really, really cool. But yeah, Ben's a legend and just building some really cool stuff. So bullish on the Chasm team. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's jump into the quick hits. We got a bunch of quick hits because there's just so much exciting news happening. Kyle, launch you off first here. MetaMask integrates PayPal. Yeah. I mean, PayPal has been in the crypto space for a while. They've been doing a lot with crypto and MetaMask is just trying to make it easier to get fiat into crypto. And instead of using centralized exchanges, you can just do it through PayPal now. And so right in the MetaMask wallet, there is a button which you can buy crypto. You could do this previously with credit card, with debit card, and now you can do it with PayPal as well. So just again, trying to make the onboarding process of getting into this space much, much easier. So thanks, MetaMask. Thanks, PayPal. Keep doing it. Jay, you're up next. Moonbirds. Moonbirds. Diamond Exhibition has dropped. What's this? These Moonbirds is doing a lot of stuff. I really feel like they they had a lot of fun. They had a lot of issues. They canceled their proof conference. They've kind of stumbled since the CC0 announcement back last August. And then they came out like a month ago and released a new brand purpose. And since then, they've just been on fire. So this is the diamond exhibition. So basically what they did here is they partnered with 10 artists, 10 generative artists. And actually, shouldn't say generative, they're not all generative. Some of them are generative, some of them are photographers, some of them are just digital artists. So 10 artists, leading artists, like I'm talking Beeple is one of the artists that they partnered with. And if you are a Moonbird holder who has been nesting, nesting is their term for staking. So you've been staking your Moonbird from the beginning Starting on April 18th, you, which is just in what next week, you'll get an airdrop of a pass. And then 
you'll be able to use that pass to pick which artist you want to receive it from. So all Moonbirds holders are getting a piece of art from one of 10 artists because there's 10,000 Moonbird holders or there's 10,000 Moonbirds, not holders, but 10,000 Moonbirds. I believe that there's going to be just 10 pieces of art and there'll be 1,000 copies of each one. So these will be semi-fungible, probably ERC 1155s. But if you're a Moonbird holder, you got a chance to get a Beeple. There's a bunch of other really amazing leading artists here. So really exciting to see Moonbirds leaning into the art space, but also giving back to their holders. I know that they have an exhibition in New York this week as part of NFT NYC. So if you're there, make sure you go check that out. Yeah, shout out to the Moonbirds team. Doers be doing. All right, next up, OpenSea Pro overtakes Blur and key metrics. Yeah, so OpenSea doing big things. What's funny is here in Nicaragua, I actually can't even go on OpenSea. Nicaragua has a terrible government. Well, I don't know what terrible government, not a great government, and they don't like crypto. I don't know why they block OpenSea out of everything. I can still go on like Uniswap and stuff. But anyway, they've blocked OpenSea, so I can't even go on it. But OpenSea has recently launched Pro, which is kind of to rival Blur. OpenSea Pro is actually just a rebrand of the marketplace aggregate that they brought, bought previously, which I think was called Gem. And they've rebranded it, relaunched as OpenSea Pro, and it's doing great. And they've already overtaken Blur in uh, volumes and in addresses. So people are coming over. I don't really understand why exactly. We were trying to figure this out. Like Blur, you can earn rewards. You can make money by using it. OpenSea, you can't. So I'm not exactly sure what it is. I'm not a pro trader, so I don't use this stuff. So to me, like, I'm not going to go and see if it's just a better product. But anyway, I think it's as simple as OpenSea teased rewards. And that's all this is. Like, right. So this is farming. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, this okay. is pure farming. OpenSea teased that they're going to have rewards. They said they're going to be NFT based as opposed to fungible token right. based the way Blur has done rewards. But yeah, this just makes me shake my head. It's just farming. Like it's just the same people moving stuff around, which what this is going to do is because Blur pushed back season two of their rewards sort of indefinitely. They haven't announced when season two is going to end. The speculation is it'll end sometime around the end of this year. So that's a long way away, right? Mm -hmm. So you lose hype. So a lot of people are like, "Ah, I don't want something six months from now. I want something now. And I think there's a belief right now that OpenSea Pro might do something in a more short term. So yeah, just people trying to move to farm more money. I hate the trading aspect. (laughs) I really hate it. It makes my blood boil. I don't even care that I can't go on OpenSea. Thanks, Nicaraguan government. I don't want to deal with this shit. <laughs> uh, Jay, Alts by Adidas, chapter one begins. What's going on here? Yeah, so we talked about Alts by Adidas last week. This is the next phase in Adidas into the Metaverse collection. And they announced this week what's going to be happening with chapter one. So basically, you go to their website, you burn your into the Metaverse NFT, whether you have phase one or phase two, you can burn either one and you will get an alt. And basically they're saying this is the first step in your journey towards your Adidas identity. So as part, you'll go through three chapters and at the end of chapter three, you'll get a unique PFP consisting of trade combinations with a rarity rank based upon, I believe, your engagement. So Alts by Adidas is a dynamic NFT and it'll evolve based on the decisions and engagements you make in each chapter. So here's what you need to know is there will be eight different egos with different rarities as part of this collection. 
And right now you need to go burn in order to participate and get your alt PFP at the end of this. It'll probably take, my guess is this will drag out over a month or two. This is that having that balance of having enough attention on you while also keeping things moving along. So exciting to see. Jay, you own one of these. Did you burn? <laughs> yeah. So I went to burn earlier, what was it, earlier this week or maybe in the last week. And MetaMask has these new pop-ups, right, which tell you like warnings, which is great that they do this. So it warns you when, hey, you are giving access to your wallet to this smart contract. And it warned me that I was doing that. And I got so freaked out because it said just the length. And this is the hard thing about this space. It drives me crazy. The language made it sound like I was giving access to all the NFTs in my wallet, which doesn't, should not be the case. So yeah. I don't know. I freaked out and hit reject, did not approve the transaction, disconnected my wallet and left. Even though I was on adidas.com website, well, I don't know. I just take a deep breath and you go back and try again. You know, I was going to say, just always double check. If you're unsure, yeah. disconnect, make sure you disconnect. The other thing is look at the URL. That's the main thing. Yeah. And really look at the URL. Don't just like, you can see the URL here is collect.adidas.com. Your URL must start with that. There might be a slash like mint, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Okay, but make sure the starting point is the right URL. Oftentimes what the fishers will do is go like collect1.adidas.com or like they'll change the URL a little bit. So make sure you got the right URL and then you're good to go. All right, next up. Arbitrum community wants the Arbitrum Foundation to return 700 million ARB tokens to the Dow Treasury. It's like a billion dollars. Yeah, this one's on me. So what's interesting is I was off last week, so I wasn't really on Twitter, wasn't keeping up with the news. But on Thursday, I was in San Juan del Sur and in the morning I got up and I watched the live roll-up on Twitter. And my girlfriend, which is hilarious to say, because that's just now new, it was so exciting. I was like, hey, what are you doing? Are you working? Because she could hear you talking about like NFTs and whatever else. Yeah. She's like, hey, <laughs> working. I was like, no, 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 I'm just watching the roll-up. I'm just getting caught up on the news. And it was great. I didn't know what was going on here with Arbitrum. And I learned it from you and Jeff. So thank you for that. But yeah, this is interesting. The community wants to get it all back. We can see here we have the snapshot up, which is you can actually look on chain to see what's happening with the votes. And 83% are against this. So we are not going to be giving, well, Arbitrum is not going to be giving that back. They're going to be using it. That's a billion dollars, man. That's crazy. Good for the community for voting against this. Like, the Arbitrum Foundation is the people who created Arbitrum, right? Like right. this is made up, like these people want the best thing for Arbitrum. And I understand that the community was upset about the, and we talked about this last week, that they were upset about the way this proposal was presented and that it felt like it wasn't properly done. But let's be real here. The foundation wants what's best for Arbitrum. They have built this from the beginning. So I think you should trust in them if you're a voter, which clearly 83% of them do because they're voting against this. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that was the community or if that's like a couple of whales that happen to hold a lot of ARB, ARB tokens that can mm -hmm. vote that way. But either way, it'd be crazy to give that to the community. Like, I don't, it's just people are mind blowing. You want a billion dollars. What are you going to do with that? You don't know anything. You don't know. Yeah, exactly. You don't have a plan. You just, that. You've like, just used a couple apps on Arbitrum and probably yeah. farmed a lot of it. Would you want to blow up the entire Arbitrum ecosystem? Like, <laughs> grow up, Peter Pan. All right. Nike releases Hour Force One collection details. Is that Hour or Air? Hour, yeah. 
Our, our, yes. Rather than Air Force One, it's our as in O-U-R. So our Force One collection is dropping soon. This is super cool. This is a digital wearable of Air Force Ones, except it's mm. our Force Ones. These will be airdropped to dot swoosh holders. So if you have a dot swoosh identity, check your wallet. You might be airdropped an Our Force One box. There's two boxes. One is vintage Air Force Ones and the other is newer age Air Force Ones. And you'll get the box and then the box will have a reveal and you'll be able to use these Air Force Ones, Our Force Ones in the future in metaverse events. I think they'll also give you access to maybe some sort of event or who knows. Not everyone gets them. They've said it's selective. So it's at random. Some dot swoosh holders will get them. Some won't. It sounds like they're testing this, right? They're giving this to some probably to beta test what it's like once people have these. How do they use them? How do they interact with them? It's the playbook of Sound XYZ and Nike has followed this playbook all along too, which is don't release to the masses, release to a select small audience, test, 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 iterate, and then move forward. But if you are a dot swoosh holder, make sure you watch your wallet because you might get one. Oh, I should quickly mention they also teased an NFT marketplace as well. So it sounds like Dot Swoosh will be building a marketplace into their platform. And oh yeah, utility. They tease that there will be a range of utility from access to exclusive physical products, experiences, and more as part of this. If you're a Dot Swoosh holder, don't go clicking on any links and trying to claim mm. some stuff. It's just going to be airdropped to you. I don't think you yes. have to claim anything. Don't go Correct. this. Correct. Okay, next up. This just happened right before we, we started recording. Twitter launches crypto and stock trading with eToro. Yeah, so Elon has always said he wanted to make Twitter the like everything app. In Asia, this is what they have. They have apps where literally on your phone, you have like one app and it just does everything. It's your social app, it's your banking, it's literally everything. We have not been able to have that in the Western world because governments don't necessarily allow it. So they haven't really allowed finance to interact with social media. Whether that's a good thing or not, I don't know, but it's going to happen anyway with Web3. Elon's trying to do it the Web2 way. I guess it's maybe Web2.5 because he's added a bit of crypto in there. So pretty cool. They partnered with eToro to make this happen. How it's all going to work and how it's all going to look, we don't know. But obviously Twitter is flooded with a lot of crypto people, but a lot of financial people. And now you'll be able to like do trades and things right in the app, which is cool. I think that's the way that Web3 will go, where everything will all be in one. And so Elon's trying to get ahead of that. Right now it's through eToro. I wonder if he eventually brings in DEXs, right? And marketplaces and does it all the decentralized way. My guess is he does in the future because Elon's goal is he wants freedom of everything, right? So like you should have the freedom of speech. No one should tell you how to speak or whatever. And that's why one of the reasons why he bought Twitter, I think the real reason is he wanted the data for his AI. But anyway, I assume that if he wants freedom of speech, he also wants freedom to transact. He's all about kind of like smaller governments and just letting people to do what they want to do. And so why not have a social app that lets you speak and lets you trade assets? And of course, Crypto Web 3 is the solution to that. eToro is not the solution to that, but it is the solution right now. There's no way that Twitter could into, like enable Uniswap. People would have no idea what to do with it. So this is a step in the right direction. And it just makes crypto more in the eyes of more people. So cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll see if he has to fight with the regulators to make this happen. So Uniswap. The app is out of Apple jail and live in the app store starting just like an hour ago. Say what? This is huge news. I mean, we talked about actually earlier in this show how mobile is lagging behind because Apple is not allowing some of the best mobile apps to launch in the app store. 
and just announced this morning, Uniswap Mobile is now available in the App Store in most countries. I don't have the exact list, but this is huge. This allows you to have access to the decentralized exchanges where you can have self-custody and use this open sourced app for everything from NFTs to DeFi. There's so much you can do in this app. So highly recommend that our users go and check this out. Uniswap is not a sponsor of the show. This is not us pumping a sponsor. This is us pumping something that we really believe in. Last one. What do we Last one. <laughs> Last one. I got to laugh. FTX finds 7.3 billion in assets and says that they're going to relaunch the exchange. I told my friends this who live with me here in Bupoyo, they were not like super into crypto, but they obviously know of FTX. They were like, where do they just find $7.3 billion? <laughs> I was like, I don't know, under the count. Like, what do you mean you just found 7.3? I saw a tweet and it was like, they didn't find 7.3 billion. Bitcoin and ETH are up 100% in the last couple of months. What they did have is now worth a little bit more, but no. Where they found it, I don't know. I know they were getting like re returns from a lot of the money that they donated and gave away. Where some of the assets are, I don't know. There's people speculating on this, like maybe they weren't as bad as we thought. There wasn't as big as a hole as we thought. Either way, it's a bunch of bullshit. It's a big scam. It's all shit. If they do relaunch, it obviously is not under Sam Bankman Freed. It would be under new management, which they have. So like, look, FTX was a good product for pro traders and it printed money. This thing, because it was a lot of traders, a lot happier this thing was making so much money if they just didn't blow up their treasury and lose everyone's funds, which was just stupidity of a few individuals, wasn't the FTX itself. So like, I don't know, it is a good product. So like, I wouldn't use it. I'm not touching it with a 10-foot pole. I never did use it, but I could see why maybe they would consider restarting. But like, I don't know, if anyone uses it, you're just, I'm not gonna say any words of what you are, but just don't do it. Probably <laughs> stick with Uniswap and like, I don't know, anything that's just stick with Uniswap. All right. That's a wrap on today's show. A couple takeaways for you. If you're still listening, check out A16Z's State of Crypto report, in particular, their new index. That website's super cool. Stake your ETH. If you're not already staking your ETH, as Kyle said, his buddy made $2,500 last year taking his ETH. Make sure you do that. If you're a musician, check out Sound XYZ. Lots happening there. And everyone else in the space, just be confident that you are here so early. You know something the rest of the world doesn't know. Keep on doing. There is big things to come. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy. We hope this helps you along your Web3 journey. And if it does, please share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Nothing in this podcast was financial advice. Crypto and Web3 can be risky. You can literally lose it all. In fact, if you invest on account of what we say, you probably will lose it all. So don't do that. In all honesty, the point of this podcast is to remove the noise of markets and price and focus on utility and implementation anyway. So you should not take any of this as financial advice. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.